You are now entering the MXU podcast. No credentials required. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 149 of the MXU podcast. I'm Jeff Sandstrom, and I'm here with my co-host, Dadu Worldwide himself, Jay Desai. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, man. Good. I'm doing real good. Great. Well, we are thrilled today to be joined by our good friend, Toby Walters from Church Gear. Toby, it's good to see your face. Good to have you on again. We've we've talked on the podcast before, and we've been on your podcast, so it's like old home week around here. Welcome back. Thank you. And uh, I I wonder who's going to be episode one hundred and fifty. So very curious why I fell one short. Yeah, we kept you one short just to kind of keep you humble because we know how it is, especially like especially Blake Blake, who's on your team. If if he knew he was a nice round number like one hundred and fifty. We'd never hear the end of That's it. That's true. I mean, he's a nice round man, but not a number. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of nice round men, Jay, how's your summer been? It's been good. Like, um, I think I, I on the last one, I told you I'd been just floating around the world. Yeah. Been all over Europe, Alaska, Seattle, a little bit of the United States, some Canadian travels. So, um, August, I'm going to be in Atlanta, which and a lot of September. So I'm going to have to figure out how to not get in trouble being home so much. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I know a lot of your work is going to be spent uh, preparing your heart and our people for the MXU live event in Atlanta. Yeah. yeah, A lot of, a lot of prayer walks. Yeah. So you're going to be on prayer walks and, um, you know, interceding for all the folks who are coming to, to the event. But, uh, we're really excited about MXU Live, and I know Toby. Have you gotten a ticket? I don't know if they give me a ticket. I'm just going to show up at the door and demand to be let in and see what happens. That's great. That's I'll good. Well, sni- just, I'll let the sniper know. Yeah, <laughs> we're all black and we're a radio, and you can probably get into any event. That's a good point. That's what I always say. No, Church Gear is definitely going to be at the event, and uh, we have a pretty big announcement coming up soon that we're not going to give too much detail on today, but let me just say, you are definitely not going to want to miss what our next collaboration with Church Gear looks like. Am I right? Yeah. Are we still just essentially giving away Jay? Is that the, is that the big announcement <laughs> that he Everything's is? for sale. Like, uh, no return the, policy. Definitely no return options? policy. They like auction off famous people for dates. So we're going to do that with Jay. I get it. <laughs> I totally get it. But I'm also the auctioneer. So <laughs> so, so he gets to choose. It's like, yeah. it's like a reworking of The Bachelor in a really strange production <laughs> context. This sounds amazing. Toby, not to air our business right here in front of uh, Jeff and God and everybody, but can you come a day early? Or something. Because um, I'll come all the got, days early for you, buddy. We, well, we got a lot of. I want to go on these prayer walks with you. Yeah, you I mean that's gear? what I, mean. I, <laughs> I, I got. Prayer walk, and then I've got some gear you need to take. Done. We'll bring a truck. We did a site visit the other day at Passion City, and the warehouse full of unused, unclaimed church Baggage. gear at that church is pretty redonkulous so i think you guys need to bring a truck and write write a check to the church and just take it all done pennies on this the sounds dollar. Fun. 
Yeah. Yeah, it'll be great. Uh, it sounds like uh, we were recently in Texas. And have you guys been in Texas this summer at all? I try to avoid Texas. I try to avoid ovens when I can. (laughs) Texas is trying to kill us. Um, Speaking of warehouses of gear, we went and had lunch with our friends at Gateway Church. And they took us to uh, this really great, uh, it's kind of like a local taco shop. And I didn't realize it was in order to trick us into coming back to their warehouse the next day. And their warehouse does not have air conditioning. And I think it was 105 degrees in there. So... uh, Charlie and I are, and I don't know if you guys know this, but Gateway also has a redonkulous amount of gear. Yeah. And so we're, uh, we're in there with our buddy, Brandon Kahn. And so Brandon manned up and uh, he was the one who took the hit for the team. And so the three of us are in there and we'll be in there for about 15 minutes trying to like sort through all this gear. And then we have to go into the office and cool down so we don't wow. die. Yeah, that's a while. Um, no, thanks. Yeah. Um, our, our warehouse is air conditioned. It, seriously? No, well, the whole building is, but yes. It's just, it it's, a, it's a part of the, the building is huge. It was an old um, big box retail store. So there's a bunch of storage space that is uh, under roof and under HVAC. So so passion is better than gateway is what we're, we're learning quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if Jay is better than Brandon Kahn though. Yeah, maybe me and Brandon just need to celebrity death match it. I know. Sumo Brandon's costumes. got that, that just like Texas, like he, you can tell he's killed things before. Oh, yeah. He's got a gun <laughs> somewhere, somewhere on his body is a gun. Well, this I live true. in downtown Atlanta, so oh. I'll let y'all, let y'all figure out the rest. <laughs> I'll, I'll probably just end up, I'll just hug Brandon. He's too sweet. He's a nice fella. He's a great guy. While we were in Dallas, we got a call from uh, Northway Church, and Northway used to be a campus of the Village Church, uh, Matt Chandler's Church. Okay. And the Village, I guess, uh, several years ago, kind of decided their their elder leadership decided let's launch our campuses into autonomous churches. So Northway now is its own church, and Connor Wright, their uh, production director, he came aboard in 2019 in the fall of 2019, and I think it was like 30 days later or less, a tornado hit their church. So 2019 tornado hits and like tears the roof off. Just like it hits directly on Northway church and does major damage to the building and everything. And so this is what Connor walks into in his new job in 2019. And so fast forward, here we are in 2023 and he calls us up and says, Hey, I've got an unbelievable amount of gear that, you know, the building was shut down from this and then through COVID all this gear just went into storage and it's still sitting there. It's been four years and all this, like we have so much gear that's still great gear. It's just, it's totally overwhelming to us. And so we happen to be in Dallas. And so Charlie and I said, dude, we'll come right over. So we came over, we got the tour and like, they're still four years later rebuilding. And so they've got kind of a, you know, their gymnasium, they turned into a semi-permanent auditorium while they work on rebuilding their auditorium. Um, and so we made a plan for them. They had a list. It was the biggest gear list we've ever seen. It was something like 800 items. Wow. So Charlie went back, uh, a different day. And again, it was like 106 degrees. He said he was just 
guzzling Gatorade and water and trying not to throw up while loading up a 26-foot truck filled with all this stuff. Uh, but again, guys, stay out of Texas in July. Texas will well, try and kill you. That's good advice. And I think, you know, unless you're in the mood for some sort of Native American sweat lodge experience, it's probably good advice for everyone just to stay out of anywhere south right now from, I don't know, the the desert west to Texas to even even down here. It's not as hot, but it is thick with some humidity. So we should all just go to Minnesota for a while and hang out, you know, maybe for the rest of the month just to kind of get some cool nights and not worry about uh, physical harm because that's a good way to die. What do you say we just pause this recording? We all meet back up in Southern California and just do it. Oh, on that'd the beach. be good. Yeah, yeah. San Diego's nice. Yep. I just got back from San Diego. So I'm from San Diego, my wife and I. And so we go back every July in the smartest time of the year. We yeah. leave the South that's trying to kill us. And we spend two weeks at her parents' house. It's not the nice part of San Diego, but you can drive to the nice part. So close enough. And then it's fun to just visit churches. And uh, every church I visited has an outdoor auditorium, essentially. During COVID, yeah, they put up you? a huge outdoor space and it's still it's still there. So they'll have like D&B line arrays and a huge LED wall. And it's just, it's permanently set up. And I'm thinking, why would you ever go inside again if you have that yeah, set especially up in San Diego. That place is magic. Yeah. I was in, I was in San Diego a couple of weeks ago with Dude Perfect. And we were there on, uh, it was a Sunday. I didn't go to church, but I did play golf. And like everything in San Diego, it's like, perfect weather all the time. Like, why would you ever, why would you ever leave? And yeah, it's, it's such a, if you haven't been to San Diego, you need to go. It's a great, great spot. And there's really no bad time of year to go. It's fascinating. Right. Our buddy Gene Kim lives there. So you can go have a cup of coffee with crew brew and that's right. Enjoy a great experience with great weather and great people. So yeah. for anybody who's been living under a rock, and hasn't heard about church gear, either through the um, countless ads that are on the MXU podcast for church gear, or <laughs> our podcast interviews, or any of our in-person experiences. What Toby's talking about in terms of going into churches, getting a list of gear, and taking it off their hands, it's what church gear does. So basically, you know, Toby, you can describe it you know, with more detail than that, but for people who don't know, just tell everybody a little bit about Church Gear's mission and what you guys are trying to do. Yeah. Well, I myself grew up in the church. Uh, my dad was a music director. So from, I mean, I was pretty much born into the church. And then as a teenager, as I feel like almost all of our tech friends have done, we got into, you know, AV production as a teenager and just something clicked within us. Uh, so that clicked for me. And I often experience like there's two kinds of techs, like kind of the artist tech and then the 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 kind of like the gearhead. And yeah. for me, I, I somehow got both things a little bit like I wasn't great at either one, but I had both. I just I loved gear and I loved what it could potentially create. And so there was always this uh, kind of thing in me where I just loved gear and I knew and loved the church. And so uh, I mean, we're, we're three years into church gear at this point, um, where God just sort of laid this, this mission on my heart of saying, okay, you, you know, gear and you love gear and you know, and love the church. What if you put these two ideas together and started a 
you know, shouting from the rooftops, hey, every church in America, I'll, we'll come buy your used equipment that's been sitting in your storage spaces that you don't have time, you don't have energy, you don't have the capacity to go through and sell yourself. Um, we will come to you in person, pick it up, pay you on the spot and take it away and, you know, problem solved. And then on the back end is, is really the harder portion is to try and resource and outfit smaller churches, churches with smaller budgets, um, with quality used gear, gear that came out of churches that's never been out on the road. It hasn't been on tour. It hasn't been off and on trucks. It hasn't been outside. It's been in one single church, racked up once, used on the weekends. And so much of this gear is still in beautiful shape. It's still perfectly usable for the right church. Um, so it's been awesome to uh, start helping small churches find cheaper solutions for their needs. That's awesome. Well, we love that mission and we love your team and your people. And I just want to say back to our sweat box conversation, congratulations <laughs> on you guys. After three years, you finally got your warehouse team out of an unair conditioned space. So cheers to your <laughs> HR department and, you know, Tennessee labor laws are now in compliance. So I really appreciate the fact that you guys um, care about your people as well as the church. Cause when I visited church gear and we did our, um, smash or trash segment uh, at your warehouse. It was a hot day and the guys in the warehouse were definitely troopers that day for going up in mm -hmm. the rafters and pulling out stuff. And so I, I know your team has grown. You've got a lot of great folks. You've got, you know, Drew Hester and David Rodiger and Drew's dad, Doug, and all the team is, is great. And you've got Blake too. So, you know, it's, <laughs> it's a, it's, we you have, know, it's a little bit of a, yeah, we have great people but. and Blake. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, I hope our shipping and fulfillment team is not listening to this because our technically our warehouse is not air conditioned, but all the rest of our you know tech shop and offices are. So those poor guys right now are troopers, and we part of our meeting yesterday was literally, okay, how can we get some circulation in the warehouse? Try and take care of our guys because you know me continually trying to pitch to them hey just think of this as a benefit like a free gym membership you're just gonna sweat <laughs> off all your <laughs> that's not working back. yeah i mean they already did that and now they're just emaciated human beings so yeah i'm trying to love them better by giving them some, some air uh when we launched passion city dc we got a warehouse about six months in for the first six months we were renting uh like a rehearsal space for band to practice, you know, we just moved mm -hmm. to town. And so even musicians were new, everyone was new to us. And so then we bought this warehouse and I was like, guys, you can just rehearse in here. And we like piped and draped a section off in the back with no air conditioning and no heat in the winter either. So they still rehearse up there still to this day, but we have gotten some big, like uh, I call them sideliding fans. You know the fans that are on the sidelines during yeah. football games? Oh, yeah. Like those, those big things. drum fans. Yeah. And that's about it. But they 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 have uh, put in a good three, four years or three years of rehearsing in that place. And uh, no plans to get them out. So <laughs> sorry, wow. guys, if you're listening. And then during rehearsal, the guys are like, hey, the fans are on. Can I get a little bit, a little bit less of that windstorm in my ears? That'd be good. Cause <laughs> we do have, we do have to like shoot them at a wall and then, <laughs> and then in a, a winter time, they'll come in bundled up in jackets and we've got a couple of space heaters and that's funny. After we have to check the camera to make sure the space heaters got turned off. Cause that's the last thing you want. It's a, it's a 
It's the mission field. It's it's for the Lord. Let's deflect from you know the judgment upon us for not taking care of people with proper working conditions, and let's let's throw our friends under the bus out at Saddleback Church. So uh, I visited there a few weeks ago when I was in California, and like we said, you know, Southern California is usually amazing weather, but Saddleback is like ten miles inland, and a heat wave was going, and it was VBS week when I visited, and so they had VBS outside. And what they did is they took all their junior techs, which is what they call their interns now. And they said, okay, we're going to trust you guys with VBS. And we'll be in here in the uh, air conditioned offices if you need us. And so it was funny. I was sitting with the production team in their offices. And then the junior techs would just come in for 15 minutes, just sweating like crazy and get some water. And they'd pat them on the shoulder and say, you're doing a great job. All right, get back out there. (laughs) I'm surprised they didn't make you go through the slime machine as one of our special guests for VBS. I asked, but they they had so much security going that day that they they looked at me and they're like, you're definitely a security risk. <laughs> Understandable. They also said the kids just on their own were over 100 dB. So they're trying to mix oh. outside with the kids screaming at 100 dB. I know how that feels because that's dude perfect every night. <laughs> How are you overcoming that, Jeff? Well, prayer, prayer, and our <laughs> friends at Waves make some really good plugins. So, yeah, yeah, we've got five headset mics in front of the PA for two hours with kids screaming at at least ninety-five dB A weighted the whole time. So Jay was there for our show in uh, Boise and got to experience it firsthand. And it was a lot. Yeah, he he left thinking, <laughs> "Wow, that was uh, that was a lot." There's a lot of screaming, screaming kids within Jeff putting screaming headsets. I mean, the guys give you good volume. Yeah, they're, they're, they shout. They're yeah. yelling. Do you guys have to just bring Excedrin for the headaches? Yeah, I prefer Aleve, but yeah, it's uh, yeah. It, it, it definitely does the job. But the problem is the guys, you know, there's no real script, right? It's not like a Broadway show where you can predict who's making their entrance. It's just they're talking over each other the whole time. So it's just a lot of screaming men and a lot of screaming kids. And so you just have to differentiate those frequencies somehow and try to uh, <laughs> try to let, let the guys win most of the time. Like to talk in a really deep voice to differentiate yourself. <laughs> yeah, they don't have that. They've got a bunch of 3K just like nasal, <sighs> which, which yeah. helps, but gets in the way. So There was a lot of sensory overload. I was yeah. I was on ten the whole time. Yeah, because it's not yeah. just auditory; it's visual too. We've got all kinds of videos and flashing lights and just stuff like the the rig. They've done a great job with the visuals of bringing the lighting kind of out into the into the audience. It's very, you know, it's it's not theatrical. It's very concert level in terms mm. of immersive and lights and flash and trash and all that. So it's uh, it's definitely on stun the whole time. Which yeah. You know, the kids love it, so more power to them. A little different than a Tomlin concert? Uh, just a slight bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and just replace the screaming kids with screaming soccer moms. Yeah. <laughs> does Chris have any trick shots that, that he does during the show? Oh, uh, that's funny. No, he he would probably like to try, though. Because <laughs> yeah. he's he's a good athlete and he's very competitive, so we should give him, oh, yeah. we should give him a trick shot segment next tour. That'd be fun. That'd be great. 
then the soccer moms can bring their kids to be entertained as well. He can double his See? audience. I think there's there's Solving a new problems. There's a new form factor here that might actually extend his yep. uh, lifespan to a new generation. <laughs> what kind of system are you running for that, Jeff? So the PA is provided by LMG, and it's a big acoustics rig. It is okay. Sixteen uh, K one over six K two and then 12 K2s on the sides for side fills. So it's a massive okay. PA. And, you know, people would look at it and go, that is way too much PA. But it's the same as for a concert in a big arena. I mean, you need the horsepower to get all the way up to the upper deck. And even though it's not loud rock and roll, and not as much sub content as maybe a music show would be, you still need the coverage and the SPL to get the job done. So the guys from LMG do a great job. Our console package is from Spectrum, and we have uh, Digico Quantum 225s for that. And the guys are all on Shure in-ears, and they've got, they've got wireless mics, DPA headsets, and then in-ears with kind of an IFB so they can hear each other and hear the producer. And so it's a, it's a really good audio system. It, it works great. Nice. We're working with uh, Preston Wood Church out of Dallas. And, uh, yeah. this is probably the the biggest PA overhaul that we've been a part of. So they're taking down their Claire rig that they've had for about 11 years. Jeff, Jeff and I know it well. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same rig that Garth Brooks and guns and roses were using on their tour. That's a great rig. Insane. I mixed it. Jeff, were you, were you producing that year? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That was for, uh, that was an, probably an, 10 years ago, an event for the North American mission board. We went in and did. Okay. Um, That's why I was mixing. Yeah. Jay loves missionaries. <laughs> he is a missionary. Amen. Uh, they sent me to America to get you guys in line. Um, yeah, we were there. Who, who's Armando? That's our dude. That's right. Armando Escobedo. Uh, you see Armando, you hug him for me. He's a great, great guy. Mike, so is Mike Will Smith do. there? Mike Smith is there. Yes, yeah, Mike is. Smith yeah. got hired a couple years ago and he and Armando are holding down the fort and doing a great job. I remember that rig was awesome, though. Yeah. So the new PA that they're putting in is uh, working with our friends at D&B, putting in a full soundscape system. So it's going to be one of the largest church deployments of soundscape because that room is it's a big and massive. I think it fits 7,000. It? Yeah. 7,000, yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. I feel like it's going to be the new pilgrimage. Like every tech person needs to make a pilgrimage to Prestonwood to hear that soundscape rig. Yeah. I know Michael have it dialed in too. It's going to be great. They've got, and yeah. you know, this is, this is a, a scenario where I think soundscape really makes sense because they've got a massive 300 voice choir every week orchestra. You know, it's a traditional in some senses of the word Baptist church. And mm -hmm. their choir is amazing. And so for them to be able to sort of feature their choir in that kind of immersive environment with soundscape is going to be really cool because I think it will really augment the congregational singing and it will really help people feel like they're kind of a part of what's happening on stage in a completely different way. So I'm excited to hear it. I, I'm really, I love Mike and his team to, to do such a great job. So Look forward to getting down there and hearing it when it's all finally deployed. Yeah. 
And uh, just the the work going into taking down the Claire and putting up the soundscape, like they're doing three separate, you know, decommissioning days and wow. taking down the the delay boxes, and then the uh, the main the main array has to come down in pieces because it's not you know it's not a touring setup. You can't just roll down the rig. And uh, yeah, that's the biggest array project I've heard of at a church. So, so far. the biggest question then is what are you guys going to do with all those Claire boxes? <laughs> well, first of all, we got to get them back to Tennessee. So probably a couple truckloads of, I mean, those array boxes are dual 18 arrays. Yeah. They're I've massive. Heard of something so big. And uh, yeah, I have yet to tell my warehouse crew cause I feel like they're all going to quit. I'm just going to, you know, have that rig show up one day and then be like, okay, boys, we gotta, we gotta put this somewhere while we try and uh, market it. But I was talking to uh, friends at Claire and they said when Garth decommissioned his system a couple of years ago that uh, I think a huge venue down in South America bought the whole system, put it in down there. But I mean, those things are beasts of systems. You guys know any churches that, that need a, a Garth system? Maybe one of those outside San Diego ones. That would be great. That's a good idea. You could just take the truck straight to San Diego, spend a few more weeks in paradise, and help uh-huh. churches at the same time. See? Missions. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Yep. So speaking of Garth, um, there was one Tomlin tour year where we were basically kind of following Garth to various arenas. Like he had just played there the week before, and then we showed up. And so we got to hear stories from local stagehands about how awesome he and his crew are to work with. And it was just, yeah. it was so fun just hearing uh, all the just local, like gritty, you know, worn out stagehands talking about somebody who was so generous and so nice and all these things. So yeah. one of the, I think it was Minneapolis, we were there and the guys were telling us that when Garth was there, they had uh, just by coincidence sold the three millionth ticket to Garth shows over the years. Wow. And so every time they crossed a milestone like that, they would do something special for that ticket buyer. Well, they don't know they're buying the 3 millionth ticket. This lady just buys tickets for her family and they show up at the show. So they call her backstage and they let her know, hey, you and your family represent the 3 millionth ticket for all of our shows. And we want to just acknowledge that fact and honor you guys for being such loyal fans and blah, blah, blah. So out from behind this pipe and drape comes this guy with a shopping cart with every piece of merch from their merch stand, gives, <laughs> gives it to the family. And then Garth was like, you know, this just doesn't seem like, I mean, 3 million, that's a lot. That's a, that's a milestone. So the tour was sponsored by Chevy at the time. And so they pull back one piece of the pipe and drape. And there's a Chevy Suburban for the mom. Wow. And they're like, you know, that'd be good for 1 million, but we're talking 3 million. So they pull back another piece of drape and there's a Chevy Silverado for the dad. Oh my gosh. And then it's like, you know, 3 million, there's three of you, their daughter was there. So they pull back the third piece of curtain and there's a like little Chevy Equinox for her. Yeah. And it was like, congratulations. You won the wow. lottery, basically. I mean, <laughs> crazy. One of my, uh, a good friend of mine is his uh, keyboard player on his, you know, last tour. And so this guy has been, a, you know, a Nashville staple for 20 years playing on lots of big records. And so 
Garth called him up before the tour and said, his name is Blair, said, hey, Blair, I want you on this tour. And Blair's in his 50s now. He's just, he's comfortable doing studio stuff. He's he's over the road. And yeah. so he, he kind of on the phone, he said, I don't know, Garth, like, I'm tired. And Garth is like, seriously, come on, man, help me out. And so Blair said, Garth, is there going to be any drama on this tour? Garth said, no, no drama. This is, you know, adults only and we are behaving ourselves and it's, you know, professional (laughs) environment. And so Blair kind of reluctantly said, all right, I'll do it. Can you imagine telling Garth like, I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's somebody you don't really say no to. Yeah. Oh, another stadium. I don't know if I can handle it. (laughs) Yeah. I'm so tired of 80,000 people shouting for us. While I play my, you know, organ part. I remember when I, and this sounds like a joke line, but when I moved to America and got the double <laughs> disc live, the Garth double disc, every song's a hit on it. That'll change your life. But that records, it just sounds bad. Well, it just doesn't sound it's, good. It's so, it's so bright. It's like, cause I remember back when CDs kind of first came out. You, you do? I do, yeah. It was like late, late For you 80s. kids at home, CDs are these round discs. That's right, this round, <laughs> if ever, this round piece snapped. of plastic, yeah. Um, no, but when CDs first came out, you know, late 80s, early 90s, when people really started buying CDs, the impression was, man, digital is so pristine, it sounds so clean, it's whatever. And part of it for me was, golly, this is so bright, like... The top end was just so hyped. And I don't know if it was because of the digital technology or just the converters weren't as good or whatever, but it was like, I go back and listen to some of those old CDs and I'm like, what were you guys thinking? This is like harsh. Yeah, what, were, what were you guys thinking, Jeff? Well, um, <laughs> one, of those, one of those first CDs, those, one of those first CDs that I did make myself was for your band. So you that's have, yeah, I have you to blame for some of that stuff. Uh, Toby, that, that's how Jeff and I met. Jeff recorded my band when I was 20. Amazing. We're, how old was Jeff at that point, though? Oh, he was probably 60. By <laughs> <laughs> no, it was amazing. Though. We, we, it was that era. That would have been 2000. Yep, 2000. Mm-hmm. Uh, live and studio was both going through it, but it was really the hybrid era, like, People were making things. We were tape, but we had digital. Yep, it was so in, it was so interesting uh, to see because we were young. I was was I, I was twenty, yeah, and so we were just getting our feet wet into the thing. And Jeff was using a digital controller to control tape playbacks, and you had Pro Tools, right? Yeah, we had. So we would use um, for. For larger budget projects, not Jay's project maybe, but for – because we probably recorded yours to ADATs. Um, yeah, we did. But we did for, – for bigger projects, we would record the rhythm tracks to two-inch analog tape. And then we would bounce a two-mix down to ADAT to be able to record overdubs and vocals and then sync it all together for mixing. So we would have the drums and bass and original guitars and all that stuff on two-inch tape. And then we would – you know, sync it all together to be able to have more than 24 tracks. Uh, but, you know, editing was really at its infancy. I mean, editing on tape was literally cutting the tape and pasting. Um, and then editing on ADAT, it was, you know, you're punching in, hoping you're getting the right 
point in time. And, you know, it was, it was awesome. It was, it was the golden era for me because I got to be in sort of this, like Jay said, hybrid analog digital world. Uh, but I remember the first time uh, we were, we were in the kind of overdub mixing stage on Jay's project and they decided they wanted to make this edit. And so I was able to kind of copy and paste a chorus and they thought Minds that it was, were blown. I mean, they thought like <laughs> I changed the arrangement of the song with copying and pasting digital audio. And they thought I was a magician. I mean, I thought we were on the moon. Yeah. And then I was able to tune the lead vocal and they thought again, who is this wizard that we're able to make this happen for the record? It needed serious. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely made the project a little better. But it yeah, was fun. Yeah. I mean, it was those days. It was awesome. And Jay, you know, just so you guys listening know, Jay is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has not changed Amen. a bit. So, <laughs> Amen. So, totally immature. <laughs> yeah. Totally stuck as a 20-year-old. <laughs> Good for uh, you. 14. Fight the power. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I'm jealous because uh, I only had a one-inch, Jeff. I had a one-inch 16-track. So, I, I mean, if I had a two inch, like 24 tracks, I mean, can you imagine what I could accomplish? Man, the places you would have gone. I know. I know. But that darn Tascam, man. Yeah. That was a good machine, though. It was. I liked it. You got all that tape dust, like down on the floor mm. after you're done. Yeah. That's when you know it's good. <laughs> you just got the tape dust on the floor. That's right. That's when you've Classic. rewound and. Rewound and played a few too many times. That record head is yep. just worn out. You've got to clean the heads after every pass. Yep. It's good. It's little Q-tips in the alcohol bottle. Man, do we miss those days? We want to go back? I don't know if we want to go back, but it is very nostalgic for me to think about. Or like tape rooms. Like, Do you remember? Oh, yeah. Like just a room full of tape, and you were like, I got to yep. find what in here? Yeah. It had a smell. Tape rooms had a very distinct smell. It's true. Kind of like a combination of grandma's basement and metal. It's like, it's really weird. Jeff, you should get a 16-track or a 24-track and just put it at front of house. And then when people ask you, what's that for? You just say, eh, just in case. <laughs> just in case. Yeah, I'm going to run my drums yep. through it real quick. Yeah, yeah. You, you for sure load, load tape every day, right? Five yeah. minutes before show starts. Bias the heads and clean the heads and yeah. Yeah, align the tape heads. You know, Corey, it'd, be, it'd be awesome. Corey Edwards is trying to figure out how to run his drum bus through a tape machine at a at an elevation show. He's probably working on that right now. Yeah, yeah, but cutting tape that he's going to get his hands cut up. That's, that's true. true. Well, he would at least get his hands dirty, and that's not going to happen. So no, he's way too much too pretty for that. He'd have an assistant. <laughs> So Toby, what else what else is going on? What what are you really excited about with church gear these days? Yeah, I mean our our normal mode of activity of buying and selling gear is, you know, happening every single day. Uh our mission is meeting unmet needs for church production. And so uh one thing that we've as we visited churches over the last year, like we realized that there are uh, a couple key themes that keep coming up. Number one, they can't hire enough people. Like almost every church in America is needing more people on their production staff. And secondly, they can't convince their uh, pastoral leadership to usually pay enough. This is a common thing. Um, as you guys well know, it's it's really hard to get a 
you know, solid salary in church tech while tours and the world outside in production are offering such, you know, high benefits. Yet there's so many people that want to work and serve in the church. And this is just one of those discrepancies. It's a huge thing. So we're doing an upcoming uh, series on our podcast around church tech pay. And we have a survey out. We've done uh, the survey for several weeks. We have almost 400 people have submitted It's completely anonymous, but they listed their actual salary and uh, what city and state they're in, size of their church. So we have all this amazing data to kind of show these things. And then we're bringing on, you know, some experts from Slingshot Group, uh, people that have been in church production ministry that understand these things. And we're going to talk numbers and we're going to a couple of our guys are nervous that we're going to upset some pastors because uh, maybe we're we're calling out that. You know, there is a bit of injustice happening, but we're really hoping that we can help educate churches that production is so essential with what we're trying yeah. to accomplish in our ministries these days. And just the reward and salary for those church tax has not caught up to that yet. So we're just helping. We really want to help rectify that. That's awesome. So for people who haven't seen or taken the survey, what's the best way to find it? Uh, on our social media, uh, church gear on Instagram, uh, we'll post a link. Um, it's on Facebook as well. So look for that and take it and help us, uh, you know, continue to add up that data. Super helpful for all of us to have that. Is it data or data? You know, depends on if you're uh, from England or not. Maybe. (laughs) What did the British say? aluminium (laughs) (laughs) that might be the funniest thing you've said all week jay you set the bar high (laughs) i really do think it's an important conversation i think it'll be enlightening to a lot of senior leadership i mean there there is a tension though right they're like well our budget is our budget and Mm -hmm. we're doing the best we can but there's this aspect of gosh, if you want to keep these guys around, you have to be able to pay a living wage that's competitive. And so I'm not sure what the solution is. Um, yeah. But but I think part of it is just awareness, right? I think, you know, to see the production team as more than just an extension of facilities or maintenance or whatever. Not that those folks shouldn't be paid well either. I mean, I think mm-hmm. church church salaries across the board or I would I would think are generally lower than most industries in this country. But, um, you know, to expect a younger person with, you know, a new bride and starting a family and all these things to live on 25 grand a year is just not feasible. So how are we going to, how are we going to help bring awareness and, you know, just some clarity to not just senior leadership, but to each other, like, you know, what is, what is a competitive rate these days and you know because i know it's frustrating i've talked to several guys who are like you know i could i could go work at ups in the warehouse and make more than i'm making at my church and get benefits faster than i would get at my church so it's it's a challenge i'm glad you guys are taking this on and are going to be just kind of brutally honest about what's going on because i think people need to hear it yeah and i know for myself you know in my decade that i spent as a christian artist and worship leader there was nobody outside of the church that was banging down my door offering to pay me more money to play music 
outside of the church. Like the church was my best option and it was mm-hmm. where I felt called. But for church techs, Jeff, you know, like there are tours going on all the time that these guys can go out on tour and make really good money. And so churches have to realize the world is trying to poach their tech guys. And so we got to figure something out to, to keep these guys in ministry because it's a, it's a calling and it's a really amazing thing, but yeah, we all have to support our families and make a living. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's a lot of the reason that we're here is to obviously to help people get better at their craft, but we really do want to double down on the community piece because, you know, when, when you are frustrated and you feel like you're a lone ranger and there's this, you know, maybe financial frustration as well, more than ever, I think we need to be connected in community. And so for, for MXU to be able to be a place where some of these conversations can happen in a, in a healthy way and to really help people focus on, okay, how do I, how do I be a healthy employee and a healthy team leader and a healthy developer of volunteers in the midst of some of this tension? You know, I think that's, that's a lot of what we care about and what we're really going to focus on. You know, a, a lot of the, our time in the live event this year is going to be focusing on some of those things. You know, how do we develop our leadership in the midst of some of these challenges? And so, you know, I, I love the fact that you guys are jumping into this and we can kind of partner on some of these questions because it's so needed. Yeah. And I think the, uh, the number one thing the data showed was that Jay's overpaid. So Jay, we're going to split out 50% of your salary and just divide it across the uh, church tech nation. And that's going to, that's going to help. That's great. I'm just wondering yeah. who's given me a salary. <laughs> <laughs> You're a missionary. The Lord is giving you a salary. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> Send me to the most remote beaches in the world. <laughs> You're already accomplishing that on your own. That's a good, yeah. good job description. I think it'll be great to see the data. I think churches have traditionally over the years not invested in tech people. We've, we can talk them into investing in gear. That seems to be easy, but understanding the marketplace will be for them will be the hard uphill battle. So yeah. I feel like IT, IT went through this years ago. Mm-hmm. And so, so it'll be good. The data will be good, and hopefully we can encourage everyone to level up. It's just it will be slow. Yeah. So hang in there, folks. Hang in there. And the data does show that not everyone is underpaid. There are, uh, you know, a decent amount of folks that are making good, solid livings. And so I think, you know, over the last couple of years, churches have started to realize, ooh, as production has become, you know, twice as important as it was pre-COVID, you know, they've started to level up. But it'll be it'll be really good to see some of those actual factual data. Yeah, yeah that'd be great. Good for That's y'all good. for getting that together. I'll uh, fill out a survey today. Uh, I don't work at one, but <laughs> hopefully I can throw the data off a little bit. Yeah, yeah you'll you totally skew, skew, skew the, the curve. Yeah, I like it. That's Jay's role is disruptor. Yeah, yeah. 100%. So, uh, Jay, we're going to you know plan a day or two before the MXU event, and should we just have everybody come in early and help with this uh, warehouse situation of passion? Yeah, I need to talk to the team, but we do have some stuff that uh, we they wanted me to do it earlier this summer, but I was missioning around the world. Yeah. And uh, so, so I was like, well, they're already going to be here. So let me get with them. But yeah, I think uh, coming in before would be great. And free popsicles to anybody that wants to come help. 
Yeah, we uh, we have air conditioning, so you don't have to bribe people. I don't know though. <laughs> King of Pops is pretty good, Jay. You could actually King of Pops introduce really everybody good. to King of Pops. Nice. Yeah, that's how when when we first got interns at the ch- at the church, that's how I got them to to uh, help me certain days to do things. I would just go get them popsicles, and it, and it worked. Heck yeah, Feed chocolate sea salt popsicle will set you free. Yeah, yeah. amen. It's leadership one hundred and one. Feed your team. Yeah, hundred percent. So speaking of that, and we'll we'll kind of end with this, but you guys were at MXU HQ a few weeks ago, and we did a series of videos that people are going to be able to see on the platform as well as through you guys. But it was so insightful to me. So I want to take a couple of minutes today just to touch on a few of those things, because you were talking about how to hack your church's budget. And for people who have not uh, experienced a transition or an upgrade to new gear or figuring out what to do with maybe some gear that is nearing its end of life, you just you offered a bunch of great tips. And so I want you to share a couple today, maybe not the whole list, but just a few ideas so people can walk away with th- something that's sticky that they can apply to their context. Yeah, so we know that not all of us have the budgets of some of the major churches. We, you know, we're not putting in Digico Quantums and DMB Sound Tape Rigs, and God bless us if we can. Uh, but for some of us, you know, we have grand visions and also our pastors have grand visions. And so, you know, the first thing I talk about is just getting on the same page with your pastor as far as vision, building up that trust and that relationship and understanding um, between the two of you, what is, what's the dream and what's possible and trying to, you know, match those two things up. So being on the same page as your pastor is just huge step one. And of course, you know, as my background and church gear, like I'm a huge fan of scrapping and finding ways to, uh, to utilize used gear, um, just pre-owned equipment that is in great shape that can still, I mean, even the biggest churches in America will still come to churchgear.com and they'll find a piece that they're thinking, oh, I could have ordered this on Sweetwater, but now I'm going to save 40% and get it from church gear. Uh, yeah. But even down to the smaller church of saying, you know, we have $5,000 to put together a sound system for our room. And, you know, they can't even go to Guitar Center and get something um, that would work for them. So, uh, you know, piece by piece trying to to build a used system. And then uh, for a lot of churches, you know, finding the gold in their in their graveyards, so to speak. You know, they might be sitting on tens of thousands of dollars of budget that's just old gear that they yeah. haven't used in six months or a year and sitting there and they know they're not going to, and, uh, to, to free up those funds by, uh, by reselling that gear either through us or themselves. That's awesome. Well, I can't wait for people to see that video series because I know that it's full of just gold in terms of best practices and advice. And it's really born out of experience, you know, years of, working with churches and being in churches that literally had nothing to spend, that you found creative ways to just be scrappy and get what you needed uh, with literally no money. It's really a fascinating story. So I can't wait for people to hear it. Yeah, I'm excited too. Well, thanks as always for being here today. You know, it's always great to hang out. And I know that, you know, at the live event, people are going to have a chance to see you guys in person. And uh, I can't wait for our big announcement because people are not going to want to miss the opportunity that we're going to have for them. It's going to be awesome. Can't wait. Again, if you're not aware, September 14th and 15th in Atlanta, go to getmxu.com live. 
and get your tickets now. Um, if you are an unlimited subscriber to the platform, or if you upgrade to unlimited, then you will be able to get unlimited tickets to the event for your team for free. So it's actually worth the cost of the upgrade based on the cost of the tickets for you to do that because then you can have access to the MXU platform and bring your team to the event as well. So um, we hope that you'll do that and consider partnering with us in that because we really believe that the MXU platform is the best way to develop and train and retain your team. And we're just excited that you would partner with us in that. So check it out and we will see you in Atlanta. Popsicles and all. Amen. <laughs>